Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to Bet Online, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. <laughs> And hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Jesse Cass and Alex Acker here with you. And Alex, we're here the morning after the Clippers survive and advance. They win in Game 7 over the Dallas Mavericks after, after being down 2 nothing at home. 3-2, they come back and win the series 126-111, the final. Uh, what are your thoughts coming after Game 7 and the huge win for the Clips? Man, if you if you can see my face, I'm smiling cheek to cheek right now. I'm excited. Um, these guys played well, man. They played really well. Even the bench collectively played well. I'm um, I'm really excited just how, how the veterans showed up, Katoom and Morris, and it's phenomenal. You know what I mean? To advance to the next round for sure. After being down zero two to an unbelievable tough team and pulling through, it shows a lot of character for sure. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we've we've talked throughout the series. We had a couple pods last week uh, when it was, you know, when it was o two, and then when it was two um, two. And for this team, I think one thing that we and everyone else was looking to see is, you know, when they get hit with adversity, how do they respond? And, and clearly, you know, it's only one round, but they were up against it a couple of times. We said down two nothing at home. They lose game five at home in pretty heartbreaking fashion have to go on the road again and you know time and time again they've kind of passed the test here early on in these playoffs and you know obviously a great sign considering what happened last year and their ability to to overcome that and come away with a win for sure for sure yeah it's crazy how uh, things fall into to you you always dream to the past of, of man not this again we talked about that as well too and like and they're actually overcoming it. So I'm, I'm really excited, man. Um, Utah is a great contending team. Um, I'm sure they don't have, have uh, Luka Donics on that team that's so explosive to that point, but they just play collectively. They swing the ball very well. And, you know, you got to change whole um, transition as far as how to play right now, you know. So um, it's going to be interesting how fast we can bounce back and uh, move on. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely get into to the Utah series and that matchup, uh, and what come you know what's lying ahead for the Clippers coming up pretty soon. Actually, tomorrow night is Game One, so a quick turnaround for that. But uh, you know, you know, sticking on this series for a second, you know, like you said, there's so many key contributors to to the wins and the series win for the Clippers, and a lot of the role guys stepping up. But we know it starts with with the stars, and in particular, Kawhi Leonard. Now, you know, Paul George did a great job as well, but I think. It's pretty clear who the alpha guy is on this team, who the best players. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, 
Obviously, Game 7 was was phenomenal. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 steals, no turnovers. But Game 6 in Dallas, when they're down 3-2, to two, you know, for Kawhi, who, of course, has won a couple of championships, he's got iconic performances like that, you know, the game winner against Philadelphia a couple years ago. But that game ranks right up there at the top with 45 points, the defense he played on Luka. Uh, it was just an unbelievable performance by Kawhi and, and saved the Clippers season with at the, you know, at the exact time that they needed it. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. We didn't even talk about that game. That was crazy. Um, if anybody can pull it off like that, it would, it has to be Kawhi. You know what I mean? He smashed every single statistic and every single point was needed. All 45 points was needed. You know, he was cooking on some MJ type stuff right now, you know, and, uh, you know, the team, he carried on his back like he always does. You know what I mean? So hats off to him. Uh, Paul George followed through as well, too. And uh, I just love the fact that they're, they're, they're filling up the stat sheets. You know what I mean? So uh, everybody's engaged. They're, they're rebounding phenomenal, too, as well, and into the free throw line. You know, so it's, it's a beautiful thing to actually watch these two dudes compete on a high level on the same team like this. Yeah, and on Kawhi, what did you see? You know, obviously, Luka was off the charts in this series pretty much throughout. Um, but I think in particular, we know, obviously, Kawhi was on Luka as much as the Clippers wanted, or he could be for a long time. But it seemed to be a much more concerted effort, Game 6, Game 7, where instead of taking those switches, we saw Kawhi really, you know, fight over those screens. And he was really the only defender who... You know, gave Luca trouble. Luca, other anyone else, Luca was cooking, but Kawhi Leonard and his ability to just fight through, use his length and his strength to to bother yeah. Luca at least a little bit was a huge kind of turning point in getting the Clippers to where they wanted to be. Yeah, for sure. And we always talked about how how exceptional Luca is um, in an All Star level he is, but to actually have somebody with a seven three wingspan, you know what I mean, and Shaquille in your hands in your face. Uh, 40 minutes of the game it's kind of um, it's kind of hard to actually not take that into consideration that that's he's taking he's taking tough shots but he's taking more shots you know had to shoot 24 shots to get 29 points you know so he's definitely going to get his numbers but at the same time it's how he gets his numbers and how much energy he's exerting you know and to go to show off that situation too as well he has to play defense you know so as both ends of the floor you know you, you can shoot the ball out, lights out, but you got to play at the other end, too, as well. You got to have the energy uh, to compete at that end, too. If your man is getting 40-something points and you get 29 and you shoot 11 for 24, um, he's actually winning that battle nine, nine times out of ten for sure. Yeah, and, you know, for you know Kawhi Leonard, obviously, this is what you get him for, right? When you mm-hmm. give up all these draft picks, we know that that's technically the Paul George trade, but really – you know, Kawhi's not coming if, if Paul, that trade doesn't happen. So you give up all that capital and, and great, you know, good young players like Shea Gillis Alexander. This is the reason why where you get a guy who he's proven in the playoffs. He's done it even with, you know, last year he had one bad game, which happened to be game seven. You know, he had a, a you know, a subpar game five. But outside of that, you look at just the total numbers for the series and it's just pretty unbelievable for Kawhi. I mean, he averaged nearly 33 points and eight rebounds. He shot 60% from the field. And a little note on that, the last player to average 30 points per game and shoot 60% from the field in a playoff series 
was Shaq in 2000, and he obviously shot right at the rim. So Kawhi was shooting jump shots and creating at all different levels that he shot 60%. It's just unbelievable. Crazy. And, and you got you to gotta, you gotta understand, too, like as stacked as that team was last year, it was the first time they actually played together. Yeah. You know, so any situation like that is going to take time. You know, I know this team has been built to actually win right now, right then, even last year as well, too. They harped on it, but it takes time to get that chemistry and that gel and a, and a lot of luck in the playoff situation. You know what I mean? And it deals with health and those concerns. And they were not healthy at that time. And now we they don't have no excuses. You know, no, everybody's healthy. Everybody's working. They have a packed house as far as the, the, the bench that they can play at any time at their disposal. And uh, the list goes on, even with the coaching staff situation. You know, they're willing to take risks and all the way through the, the, the beginning of the playoffs, you know, and, and making key changes and not just going in there with pure talent thinking that they're going to actually win games in that situation. So um, they're doing the right things right now for sure. Yeah, and that, that's a great segue, too, because that's something we touched on and were hopeful for when, you know, Ty Lue was named the head coach and coming into this series and what he could do adjustment-wise. And, and obviously it took a little bit of time, but, you know, you mentioned not being afraid to make bold moves, make changes. And we saw it time and time again in this series where, you know, Ty Lue was always pushing the right buttons, whether it was in games three and four, you know, Rondo made a big impact. And then when yeah. he, you know, wasn't playing well and Dallas adjusted to him, we saw Ty Lue go to Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann. And, you know, we, we've talked about how much we think Terrence Mann can make an impact and, and went from playing not playing in the beginning of the series. He was the first guy off the bench in Game 7 and made a huge impact, especially in the first half when the Clippers kind of needed to match that kind of barrage from Luka Doncic. Uh, Terrence Mann was a big part of that with his early burst in, in scoring points in the first yeah. half yeah for sure and, and to, to yeah we all we, we me and you are both Terrence Mass fans for sure <laughs> you know what I mean just just the, the leadership of his 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 uh his aggressiveness on defense as well you know sometimes he gets cooked but that's from a rookie standpoint just just over helping or, or too much pressure and you know from that standpoint but the effort and energy is there um the great thing about it all is that I seen that Tyrone Lou did is he he set Pat Beverly, you know what I mean? And, and he actually, that was a tough pill to swallow to actually, you know, one of your leaders and sit him and try to figure out how to win, um, knowing that he's going to be uncomfortable in this situation where he has to watch his team win or lose. And you got to uh, swallow that pill at the end of the day and make that decision, you know? So those are huge, you know, considerations you got to take in mind for sure, too. No, that's that's a great point, too. And we've talked about how important Patrick Beverly has been throughout the years for the Clippers, but it's those kind of things, those tough decisions for, for Ty Lue where, you know, this guy might need to sit in this specific series where it's not a good matchup. And, you know, as we said, we'll get into the Utah series. That one might be one where Beverly is important again. But right now, you know, in this Dallas series, it was a tough matchup for him. He was kind of getting picked on in the switches with Doncic. And that was one of those tough choices that Lue had to make that, Again, he pushed the right buttons. You can say the same thing with Zubats, who's been so good this year, but it was not a great series for him. The Clippers were better equipped going small, and they did that. And, you know, those are those adjustments and tough decisions that Ty Lue made and just pushed the right buttons when the Clippers needed it. 
Yeah, yeah, that was like an executive decision right there for sure. And, and it's crazy because you mentioned Zubox, and I'm like, damn, I'm looking at the stats. I had, I haven't even seen him, but but the the idea of going small, um, it kind of sometimes bit him in the butt because you know you got two seven footers that you're going up against, and Dallas went big a couple of times, you know, with Porzingis and the big fella that's like seven five. Yeah, Boban. Yeah, <laughs> Boban. Yeah. So those are kind of crazy matchups. They're they're playing you know, hot potato lobs over to each other. Um, and nobody can compete from that standpoint of, of, of defending them. But uh, they have to put it on the ground. I mean, we put it on the ground very well, you know, and that goes to say, and I wanted to give credit to uh, Batum, who's went in there a couple of times ferocious, you know, and, and, and tried to dunk on the big fella. So um, those things was actually um, – really engaging to actually see and the bench got you know live and excited and hyped about it and uh just playing with the crowd more than anything too it brought some some life to everything um so man this is it was a amazing series it was a nail-biting series for sure and i was excited all the way through to see what they were going to do what they're going to be made of and how they're going to finish out strong yeah and how- and how about that? You mentioned the fans. How about getting a win at home? <laughs> how about that concept? Getting a win. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, you said that too. You was like, man, can we get a win at home? <laughs> but I mean, again, that like you said, just it's one of those series you give both teams credit where, I mean, first time in NBA history, the first six games, each team won on the road. So, you know, it, yeah. it sucked for them to lose those games at home from, you know, one, two, and five, especially with game five and how tough that one was down the stretch. But Again, that resiliency and, and you know, per- perseverance to break through and win when their backs were against the wall, you know, should hopefully bode well for them going forward. But again, on your point of, of Nick Batum, I mean, again, we, we were talking about Terrence Mann, how high we were on him. And we both were we both were pretty happy with the Batum signing, but just the impact that he's had. I don't know if anyone could have really predicted just how good he would be and how... Yeah instrumental he would be to the Clippers. I mean, he played 42 minutes in Game 7. You mentioned, you know, he's not that old a player. He seems he's more mature and wise than you would think. He's 32 years old. Feels like he should be like 38 <laughs> with how yeah, long he's been in the league. But, but yeah, 42 minutes, he's turning back the clock a little bit, trying to dunk, as you said, on, on Boban and, like, hitting threes. And, obviously, his defense was, was phenomenal. So just the impact that he's had and, and making that ability to – kind of play that cat and mouse game where it's like hey if Dallas even if you're going super duper big we're going to stick small because we trust Batum what he can do defensively and how he kind of settles things off offensively as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hats off to him too I mean he's actually taking that role of being a leader as a, as well um, and, and mentoring uh, man I would think so too you know because that's his role and he's seeing how to play with the poison and, and more so just the determination of just getting the job done so uh, it's doing it's doing a lot of things just having him inside that um in that situation with the clippers for sure on and off the court yeah and what do you think of uh of paul george this series you know he had great numbers obviously coming off the the playoff series last year he hasn't shot the three ball well but from the field in general he's been pretty good obviously he's been rebounding passing the ball his defense is always there but uh, what did you what did you see from Paul George in this round one? Man, Paul George is is phenomenal. Um, just his playoff P is definitely back right now. You know he's been extremely solid, and I don't mean solid just by saying that. Just like oh, 
he's he's expected to do this. Like he's been doing a phenomenal job, um, just playing uh, his game. You know, just being poised as he is, and he's just been bringing it every single game. You know, you can't knock this guy actually averaging twenty three five and six. It's crazy to even think about that, especially on a team where you got somebody that's the alpha, like you said in the beginning, and, and learning how to play with somebody that is just as dominant as you with the ball too as well. So you just got to be more consistent more than anything. And it shows, you know, 46% free throw, I mean, uh, field goal percentage. And um, he's just really, just, he's lights out for sure. He got laser eyes. And uh, that's that's amazing to actually see that, the chemistry between him and Kawhi um, balancing off each other. Yeah, I think that chemistry has, has grown leaps and bounds from year one to year two. Uh, and I think that, like you said, just impacting the game in all different kinds of ways with, you know, 10 assists in game seven, obviously the rebounding that he's been able to bring in. And I think, you know, mentioning that the three-point shot has been inconsistent in the series, he didn't let that affect him, you know, very adversely during the series. He was still attacking the basket, still getting to the free throw line, even when he his shot wasn't necessarily falling as much as, as he would like it to. He didn't let it yeah. affect his game. So I thought that was probably the the most important thing for him and a great sign that, you know, Paul George, who might have been the most criticized player in the world over the past year, has clearly, you know, responded as well as you could and came back with a really strong effort in this first round. Yeah, no, for sure. And in looking forward for the Clippers, uh, you know, just touching on a few things before we move to the Jazz series. Uh, obviously, Marcus Morris found his touch, 7 of 9 from 3 point from three-point range, we were waiting for that one. We knew it was in there and capable, but perfectly timed for Morris in Game Seven and and Reggie Jackson. And that's another, you know, Ty Lue pushing the right button. Where, you know, we talked at length about you know what the point guard rotation would be. It's clear that you know Reggie has the trust of Ty Lue and the team, and he makes big shots. He was huge in Game Six. He made a couple of dagger shots in Game Seven, and. You know, pretty incredible for Reggie Jackson, who was the last guy signed in the offseason on a veteran's minimum, uh, you know, was benched at the very beginning of the season when he was told he wasn't going to be in the rotation. Now he's the starting point guard and a, a huge part of what the Clippers have done, especially offensively. Yeah, for sure. And um, these two gentlemen have been, you know, been fighting the up and down, you know, heel as far as getting their game to where it needs to be. And um, in order to get... Uh, this win all the way up to this point, you know, and starting off with Morris, man, we've been seeing him struggle a lot with that jump shot. And he's a jump shooter, you know, and it's just hard to find that niche of him catching and shooting at the right time and, uh, you know, finding ways of creating for himself as well because pretty much all the all the plays are generated for, you know, Kawhi and Paul George. But actually just getting his shots um, is something that he struggled with in the beginning. You know, and I really see that he went in with some 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 great shots that he normally missed because he always gets these same shots, and we seeing him getting wide open shots or you know just getting a hand raised in his face and he's missing them, get, uh, falling short or whatever the case may be. But he's knocking them down when they counted more than anything. So that was amazing to see that twenty three points at the right time is crazy. You know, eight for fifteen, that's phenomenal. You know, we knew Mar- uh, Jackson had it in him. In order to score, he's been a scorer. Even in Detroit, he's been a scorer. And, um, you know, just with the little minutes that he had, he's always been efficient from that 
uh, from that standpoint. Um, it was just great to actually find a way of hiding his his, his his small traits as far as the defensive end and actually being able to find minutes to play him in the right time, you know. So, again, hats off to the coaching staff and more so hats off to, you know, um, the, the assistant staff for actually keeping these guys engaged and keeping their confidence up, you know, from Chauncey Billups and the rest of those guys that are in that staff too as well. So, um, I'm really amazed, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with a collective unit of just being ready and being prepared mentally and physically at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, and it's something that I was thinking, too, coming into this where, uh, you know, you always hear next man up, and, and that's what you hope for as a team and as a fan of a team where, you know, if someone goes down or you call the next guy in the rotation, you hope they can come in and do their job, but it's, sometimes it's much easier said than done, and you know, of course, we talked about Jackson, but we mentioned Terrence Mann from being out of the rotation to being the first guy off the bench, and and Luke Kennard, who didn't play until the middle of Game Six, so he didn't play for a couple of weeks, and then you know he didn't shoot it great in Game Six, but he made a, an impact, made a floater, got a great steal, and then Game Seven, he came out, had 11 points in 10 minutes, hit some couple couple of threes in that big third quarter run, and that's just one of those another of those instances of staying ready and staying confident where as you said you're might not be playing for a while but uh, ready when your number is called and came up huge when the Clippers needed it yeah that's true that's so true uh kind of like a sleeper in a way where the teams actually don't even you know uh do the um what's the the roster check as far as what you can and can't do um and then all of a sudden you just step on the court and they they forget all about you and you just shine it from that standpoint <laughs> You know, so it was one of those Cinderella stories for sure where Gennard actually prevailed and, you know, and man actually carried on as well, too, and doing his job at the highest level. Definitely yeah. needed off the bench. Yeah, and this Clippers team in the regular season, as we know, was one of the best three-point shooting teams of all time, and there were so many points in this series where, and you credit, of course, Dallas for what they did and how well they shot for a large majority of the series, but it was like yeah. you said, these wide-open shots for these guys with the Clippers where... You know, those are the shots you want. They've been hitting it all year. Just wasn't going down for a certain point, and Dallas would come back and hit a contested three, and it's just kind of those throw-your-hands-up thing. But, they, you know, they fought through it. They made the necessary defensive adjustments and, you know, yeah. kept stepping into those shots with confidence to finally get them to fall at the, at the perfect time. Yeah, for sure. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Dallas actually, you know, running a little 2-3 zone type of thing at them and stuff like that sometimes? Yeah, especially, and, uh, especially in uh, in Game 7. I mean, they ran it ever since they went big with that Boban-Porzingis starting lineup that you talked about with the, yeah. the two giant big men in there, uh, really to try to hide you know the slower-footed guys in the perimeter and not keep them out there as long. But, yeah, Game 7, I believe it was the first, you know, like eight minutes of the first quarter. It was about almost over half the time. They really stuck to that zone. And, you know, that's something, of course, for an NBA team that – you know, everyone's played against the zone at a certain point, but you're used to man-to-man defense. So I'm sure that was a little sure. bit of an adjustment for the Clippers just to be like, okay, we're playing against the zone. You know, whatever you do at the zone, get the, get someone in the middle, you know, free throw line extended, get the ball in the middle yeah. of the lane, and then drive and kick from there. But, uh, yeah, a lot of zone from Dallas, a lot of kind of like throw junk at the wall type things and, uh, you know, give them credit. It, it almost worked for them to, in the end. But, yeah, but, sure. but the Clippers made the, you know, the necessary adjustments. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I would think it would work, you know, due to the fact that the series led by a lot of poor shooting from, from Morris and 
a lot of guys in that standpoint. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you can't take away everything, but you got to take away something. So you don't want, you know, uh, Kawhi as much as possible getting to that paint as well as Paul George. If so, getting up with a hand up in the face, you know, stuff like that with a seven-footer. And just running at other guys, you know, um, with contested shots and seeing that they're going to make shots. And um, they did. They did at, at the right time, you know. So uh, definitely there was a zone buster. And uh, it was amazing to see them knocking down the, the normal shots that they would get. Uh, it was phenomenal for sure. Yeah, so the Clippers win round one. As we said, it's a, it's a quick turnaround to round two. Of course, you mentioned the Utah Jazz, the opponent coming up, the one seed in the West this year. Games one and two will be on the road for the Clips in Utah. Uh, a different matchup, of course. You mentioned, you kind of alluded to it before. No Luka Doncic, so that's that's a sigh of relief for the Clippers. Uh, but the Jazz, the Jazz do, of course, present a bunch of other problems. We know Donovan Mitchell is a special player. Uh, Mike Conley, of course, Rudy Gobert and his presence and defense inside, and a lot of great outside shooting around those guys. So uh, what do you see in this series? And for the Clippers, uh, you know, what's the point of attack for them to, to try to come out successful against the Jazz? Oh, man, that's a great question. That is a great question. I see, I see them actually getting what they want for sure at the same time. Um, they can't stop everything. I think the biggest thing, once again, is going to be the defensive, the defensive end. You know, the way the way the Utah Jazz um, swing the ball is is pretty beautiful to watch. You know, and um, they they work as a unit. Um, they got guys that definitely can put it on the floor. They got you know um, a great collective unit where they can actually spread the offense out very well, knocking down threes as well too. And um, it's going to be hard to take away a lot of things from them. Um, but yeah, going back to the draw board, man, we just got to come out with the short window that we have playing. Um, I mean, getting back and, and changing into the situation. Utah's seen them play two games now already, you know, and they got their legs up under them. So they got fresh legs from that standpoint. Uh, the best thing about it is they, uh, the, the Clippers actually can be able to, you know, use this momentum that they have and, and carry it on to that series as well, too. So. It's going to be actually hard to see what they can bring, but it's just got to be energy from that standpoint. Yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, the Jazz, you mentioned, one in five. They've had some rest, I believe six days off. Uh, so it'll be that rest-rust thing versus, you know, if the Clippers are have a rhythm going, if they're ready to go for game one. But that, that'll be interesting. And then, like you said, you, you know, you mentioned it beautifully that the Jazz, when they're at their best, they really move the ball as well as anyone to get their shooters open shots. Uh, I think for yeah. the Clippers, that starts with initially individual defense and staying in front of your man. We know that, of course, Donovan Mitchell is amazing at getting into the paint and off the dribble. We know Mike Conley is very quick and he can get inside with that that floater game. Uh, so I think staying in front uh, and trying to, you know, start with your individual defense before you get into those rotations where you're kind of scrambling around. I think that's a big key for the Clippers. Uh, and that might be where we see, you said, maybe Patrick Beverly's back in the mix in this series with his ability to to guard in the perimeter, especially with, you know, Dantich was so is so unique because he's 6'8", you know, 240. He's he got that LeBron-type size where, you know, that's a huge problem for almost anyone. And while Mitchell's an incredible player, you know, six-foot guard, uh, maybe a little more manageable for the Clippers. He's still going to be able to, I'm sure, get his points and do his thing, but... Um, in terms of what size-wise the Clippers, I think, can match up with that a little bit better. Uh, and then, you know, of course, the Rudy Gobert thing is huge where 
We know how important he is to Utah. Can the Clippers kind of play him off the floor? Do they go small again uh, and try to drag uh, Gobert away from the basket, get him out on the perimeter? Uh, and if, you know, that cat and mouse game, if that works to, to kind of neutralize Gobert or if he can make them pay with his size on the other end. <laughs> man, just just hearing that what you said, man. I, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a lot of uh, ideas that you that you thrown at him to see if the you know he, it's pretty much a, a toss up. You know, yeah. um, it's crazy that from the coaching standpoint what they have to go through every single day in this fast to actually figure out a game plan to getting it going. But I know they've already started ahead. Uh, you even got cousins that's that's you know we, we know that he wasn't at his you know his peak right now but he has a lot of rest at this point you know so maybe they're using him for uh the big fella uh to go up against and get him in foul trouble early who knows you know uh from from that standpoint but yeah those things are just man (laughs) the tongue twisted there's a lot man they got to figure out right now yeah in a short period of time yeah as you said coaching in the playoffs it's all about those adjustments and i'm sure from one game to another as we just saw in this past series it'll be a back and forth of, of what works for each team. And, you know, I yeah. think the good thing or the good news for the Clippers is we've seen, like we talked about, whoever gets called upon has proven that they're ready. So if it's, you know, if Zubats is back in there to battle with Gobert for a little bit or whether it's Cousins or whoever, you know, yeah. there's confidence, I'm sure, in the team that, that they will be ready. And, and the same goes for anyone else on the court. But uh, yeah, obviously uh, a knockdown, drag him out, first round of play, uh, and we'll see what the second round brings, but uh, you know the name of the game is survive in advance, and and somehow, some way, the the Clippers were able to do it in, in round one. Let's go. Cool. All right, so that's going to do it for this little little game seven recap, first round mini preview. We'll of course have more uh, on the second round series with the Clippers and the Jazz as they get ready to roll with that game on Tuesday. We'll be back with another pod soon after to to talk about everything involving the Clippers and the Jazz. But Alex, thanks for tapping in as always, and uh, we'll be back uh, very soon. Let's go, bro. So that's it. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Five stars is always appreciated. We're also available wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, right here at Believe.com. Uh, the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place of the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe... Go Clips in this episode presented by Bet Online. On to round two. See you there. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.